want to share with you some of the word of the Lord this morning. I, I told you last week that we would be concluding a series that we've been doing just about all summer long on the Spirit in the church. And um, we're going to start this last message of it this morning and we will finish it next week. But I'm going to ask that you would turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. The title of this, is, this message is The Indwelling and Outgoing. The indwelling and outgoing, and there is an outline of it in the back of the bulletin if you'd like to take notes, but I can assure you we won't be using all of that outline today. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the Scripture declares, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. How many would say this morning, I need His life. I need His life. Heavenly Father, we come into this house today recognizing that not only do we have opportunity to gather together with other believers, and for those that may be here today that are experimenting in the areas of the Spirit that don't exactly know what they need, they just know they're here today because they need something. I pray that You would reveal Yourself to them today. I pray for those of us that are in relationship with You, that You would begin to elevate and magnify the life of the Spirit in us. That we might truly be examples of who You are, and that we would have resurrection life, that we would be life-giving people to everyone that we come in contact with. Lord, You said that Your Spirit is one that indwells us and that there's an outgoing aspect. And so, Lord, I pray that we would live in the fullness of Your Spirit. And we ask that You would take the Word this morning and plant it in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. We have spent the last several weeks looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And if there's one thing that I hope that you begin to grasp as you understand is that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is not... A neuter pronoun in the Word of God. He is a person. And if we think of Him as an it, what begins to take place in our lives, and sometimes this begins to settle in whether we, we recognize it or not, but when we begin to think of the Spirit less than a person and more as an it, we begin to see the Holy Spirit as something that can be manipulated as a tool that we can use to get what we want or make demands upon God because we have it. The Holy Spirit very clearly is not a tool that can be manipulated, but is a person that wants to indwell us. It's not something that we can say, I got it, when we, we receive the Holy Spirit. But it's the indwelling of Christ within us through the person of the Holy Spirit. We have to make sure when we're talking about the Holy Spirit that we're talking about a person. In Scripture, He's referred to as a person. He, Jesus, continually says... And a personal pronoun talking about the Holy Spirit is the person that has intelligence. He has all the intelligence of God. The Holy Spirit has a will. He distributes gifts to each of us as He wishes and as He chooses. The Holy Spirit has emotion. He can be both pleased with us in the way that we live and the way that we replicate the life of Jesus, or He can be grieved by the actions and the words and the deeds that we participate in. The Spirit as well is the divine Spirit. He is not simply a human Spirit, but He is the Spirit of abiding, all-powerful, authentic God. He is the Spirit of God the Father. 
who gives us the sense of belonging, that we begin to understand our relationship and family because of the Father God. Then all of us know who we are and that we are loved because of the Jesus Christ, the, the Trinity, the Son of the Father. And if you ever have moments of doubt as to how much you are loved, then I want you to remember something, that Christ went to the cross for you because you were worth it to Him. And when you begin to worry about it, how much am I really worth? Do I really matter? Is there anything about my life that really counts? Then you begin to think about why Christ died for you and how much He paid. And it begins to elevate you in your understanding of Christ's love for you. And the Spirit in His special role gives us, as He indwells us, a sense of confidence. We know that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ because of the confidence that bears witness in our spirit from the Holy Spirit. He begins to display through us and in us His power. He is the power source of the Trinity. There's an aspect of the Holy Spirit living within us that provides for us companionship. Some of you know what it's like to be isolated. Some of you are isolated in your own families, maybe because you are the only believer in your family. And, and there are days when it is a struggle to try to maintain relationship with Christ when everybody around you is trying to bring you down. Perhaps you know what it's like to have the Holy Spirit be your companion when you are constantly barraged by people around you who consider themselves to be your friends that continually tell you that you are foolish to believe in the power of an Almighty God that can change your life. And in those moments, you need to know that the Holy Spirit within you is your companion. The Holy Spirit within us brings to us a sense of leadership. We talked about this last week. That He leads us. He picks us up. He carries us. And He believes, and He leads us into the areas where we, we grow and mature in Christ and we grow and mature in ministry. And if you're not growing in the Lord, then there's something wrong with your relationship because anything that is alive is going to grow and He desires that we would thrive in Him. The Spirit comes and gives us confidence and assurance, first that we are the children of God, but He also gives us power to live an overcoming life in Jesus Christ with fullness. If you're anything like me, that's probably what you ask the Spirit for more than anything else, is that you, O oh Holy Spirit, living within me, would you help me today to be an overcomer of the things that normally bring me down? And the Spirit of God at work within us begins to do these things. The Spirit, as the Divine One, does the acts of God. According to Scripture, He was involved in creation. He's the giver of Scripture. He's the giver of life. He has put His Spirit within us, and His Holy Spirit lives in us and dwells in us. And over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about what it means to be indwelled by the Spirit. The work of the Spirit even before you became a believer. And then the difference in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in His regenerative power within our lives and the power of the Holy Spirit in Pentecostal fulfillment and empowerment there. So that we have a clear understanding as we move into another series that we're going to begin in a couple of weeks of the role of the Holy Spirit not only in the church but also in the believer. First of all, this morning I want you to understand the Holy Spirit as an inviter. As an inviter. I want to begin by focusing on the presence of the Spirit in our life even before we came to Christ. Some people wonder, what is the Spirit doing in the lives of those that do not know Him? I believe there's a powerful passage of Scripture that we find in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 
that gives us an understanding of how the Spirit has been at work even from the very beginning in creation that can be applied to our lives and applied to the lives of those that we are praying for that do not yet know Christ even now. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, this is what the Scripture says. We are told that the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I want you to begin to picture in your mind what the Spirit of God was doing as He's hovering over the waters at creation. This is a powerful description of the fact that the Spirit of God wants to bring created order out of chaos. He was hovering over the chaos of the initial creation as there was nothing but water and darkness And you begin to say, well, why is this? Because the Spirit of God, as the executive agent of God, is going to bring order wherever He is allowed in. The Spirit of God will always bring order whenever He is allowed to do His work. And so from the very beginning of creation, we begin to see as He's hovering over the waters, He's about to bring a created order out of and and beauty out of the chaos that was the initial creation. What's the Spirit of God doing in our lives before we became Christians? I want you to reread with me this Scripture and listen to me as I read this passage from Genesis, putting into it, rather than the chaos of creation, the chaos of our own lives. And listen to what this sounds like. My life was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep of my being over the depths of my consciousness, over my unconsciousness. Darkness was upon me, and the Spirit of God was hovering over my being. Why is the Spirit hovering over my being? Because the Spirit wants to bring the creative life of God out of the chaos of my life. I want you to begin to understand for those of you that have been living with God for a long time and have a developed relationship with Him, who have been praying for people that may not yet be in relationship with God, and you're wondering what the Spirit is doing during that time of your prayer. I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit in the life of the unbeliever is a hovering force waiting for opportunity. When you pray for those that don't know Christ, you are inviting the Spirit to be close to their life, to be in a position waiting to pounce as soon as an opening comes. The Spirit of God is not somewhere out there ignoring what's going on or just hoping that something happens. He's an available force in the life of the unbeliever waiting for that opportunity where He can begin to reveal Himself. And for some of you, you have magnificent testimonies of how that the Holy Spirit in His hovering form over you before you came to Christ discovered that He was in, very impactful in your life by sparing your life in times when your soul could have been required of you. But He protected you instead. Through the years, I've heard the testimony of many people who said, I don't know why I survived that accident. I don't know why God did this for me. I don't know what was happening, but in my state of rebellion and when I was doing all of these things, in moments when my life should have been required of me, God stepped in and before I even knew Him and before I loved Him and before I acknowledged Him, He stepped in on my behalf and began to do something because He knew He had plans for my life. 
And He hovered there in the ministry of the Spirit to the unbeliever. Our God is a waiting God who's hovering, sometimes protecting, sometimes leading and guiding, and sometimes creating an atmosphere where one can come to a decision. But for those of you that are praying for unbelievers, don't stop now because the Spirit of God is hovering at your prayer, waiting to bring creativeness of God and life out of the chaos of a life that's without Him. Jesus tells us in John 16, verses 8 through 11, he's, dis- he's teaching the disciples in the upper room discourse before His crucifixion. And He tells them this of the Spirit. He said, when the Spirit comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Then the Lord shows what He means. He said, in regard to sin because men do not believe in Me, in regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I could preach a sermon out of this verse alone and a message out of what all of this means to us. But let me just highlight some things to you first of all. One of the works of the Holy Spirit within the indwelling Christian is that He is the one that begins to tell you when your life is not right. How many of us have experienced the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? I raise my hand and I'd raise them both if I could. When He begins to indwell us, there's an aspect of the Spirit that will do things to you that not even your mother can make you feel guilty about. I've often said the Spirit of the Lord is the one who preaches to you when no one else is around. The Spirit of the One is the the Spirit of the Lord is the one that when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, He reveals what's in the depths of your heart that nobody else can see and nobody else knows, but the Spirit begins to drop little seeds in your heart about you need to get this right. Or I saw you. When you thought no one else knew, I knew, and I'm right here because I live inside of you, and I am drawing you to a point where you need to get this thing right, because if you don't, it's going to begin to grow roots, and it's going to turn into something that will be harder to get rid of later if you don't deal with it now. The convicting power of the Spirit of God convicts us and leads us to repentance. One of the signs of the last days of time is that the consciousness of men will be seared. That within natural man, there will no longer be an ability to know the difference between right and wrong. And I have to admit, as I look at our world today, it seems as if we are experiencing some of that in our world today. Where those things which are wrong are declared right, and those that live right are declared fools and unenlightened. And it's the Spirit of God that lives and dwells within us that brings to our memory those things which are not right with Him so that He can bring us back into the clarity of relationship. Now, listen to me very, very closely. I am not saying that if you commit one or two sins that God has kicked you out of the family of God. That's not what the Word says. He is saying that through the power of His Holy Spirit indwelling us, He draws us to an understanding when we are living wrong and draws us to a place where we can be right again. I have come from a background where it seems that many of us that grew up in, in, I'm going to use the term, old-time Pentecostal backgrounds were raised in a setting where we were so afraid of God, we felt that if we made one mistake, He was waiting on the throne of heaven just to kick us out of the family. I, I got saved about every Sunday growing up. 
Because I was so afraid that the moment I'd blown it, God was throwing His arms up. That's it. You're worthless. You can't do it. I never believed in you anyway. But the Scripture begins to mold together the idea of what it's like to live with God and the molding and the idea of what it's like to be in our families. And when I became a parent, I had a much deeper understanding of my security as a believer. When I held my daughter for the very first time and I realized that this little infant was a creation of the love of her mother and I, I want you to know something. She was pretty secure in my family. And before she was even 24 hours old, when she threw up on my shoulder, I didn't put her back in the crib and say, when you grow up, you let me know. Even though I walked around and my shoulder stunk. Because there was an understanding that there's a need for growth and that mistakes don't kick you out of the family. Mistakes are opportunities for growth. And so when the Holy Spirit indwells you, please understand that when you begin to live life in a wrong way, that the Holy Spirit begins to prick your heart and say, no, 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 come back, come back, come back, come back. Because that's what Jesus said He would do. That He would convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. As it relates to those of you who may be here today that have not yet received Christ as your Savior and you're not yet in relationship with the Lord, I want you to know that the convicting power of the Holy Spirit is what believes you to believe Jesus. Not believe in Jesus. There's a lot of people that believe in Jesus. I'm talking about believing Jesus. No one can be saved unless the ministry of the Holy Spirit draws them from the inside out as we sang today. Something happens on the inside as the Spirit draws and says, I am real. And people can begin to be awakened to a sense of sin and know that Jesus is their only answer. In fact, Jesus pretty simply defines what sin is here. He says, sin is simply not believing Him. Not believing in Him. It may involve a lot of things as far as activities are concerned, but the root of sin is defined by Jesus as not believing in Him. Therefore, it's the Spirit's task to bring to us an awakened sense of sin. There's plenty in our conscience that will make us feel like a guilty person. In fact, one of the things that we battle from time to time is that our past begins to rise up and it begins to tell you that the reason you're not being in a blessed situation now is because of the things that have happened in the past. I was a 10-year-old kid and I was on a camping trip, trip and it may have even been over the... Labor Day weekend years and years ago and my family enjoyed camping with some other families and I was a normal boy so I was out by Table Rock Lake Shore there and I was taking rocks and I was throwing them and suddenly I saw a flock of ducks that was kind of flying by and to me they became a perfect target. They landed on the water and so I'm taking rocks and I'm flinging it out there as hard as I can. They flap around a little bit and then I throw another rock. Lo and behold I was right on target whacked one of them then I got scared so I came running back to the campsite decided it was time to take a nap so about 30 minutes later the park ranger came driving and I could see him driving from site to site and pulls up at our site and he says to my dad hey he says uh, you have any kids out here he goes yeah we've all brought our kids he goes any of them throwing rocks at ducks Dad says, maybe. Doug? 
Were you throwing rocks at ducks? I was taking a nap. The ranger says, well, if you would inform anybody that may have been throwing rocks at ducks that they killed one and it's out of season, we would appreciate it if they would never throw rocks at ducks again. I never told my dad. I hope he's not listening right now. But I do remember that there was a period of time from 10 years old on through some of my teenage years when I began to think because I had lied in that moment if God was withholding blessing from me because some of the things I was praying for I wasn't getting answered like I was praying that God would give me a girlfriend wasn't being answered I was a teenager then remember those were deep deep prayers and you begin to work things in your mind and you start going back trying to think of all of the reasons God would have for saying, no, 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 I'm not blessing you. You killed a duck. I joined Ducks Unlimited. I have bought a duck stamp most of the years that I've been a hunter without even hunting ducks. Because I wanted to make it right. And there are things that by virtue of our parental training and our background that may condemn us or convict us, but the unique thing which the Holy Spirit does that no one is the world in the world is doing is the Holy Spirit is there to convince us to believe in Jesus and to believe in His forgiveness. That He can forgive. And if you have not believed in the Lord, the Spirit is at work every time that you come to church. There are reasons some people don't like to come to church. It's because of what the Lord says to them when they're here. Some of you have people that you've been inviting to church. And if you look around, we have plenty of seats. So continue to invite. But the reason that some of them say no is because they've been in church often enough to know that when they get here, they know that the Lord is going to bring them to a place of decision. Because the Holy Spirit will never miss an opportunity to draw people. Never miss one. Continue to pray. Not only every time you come to church, but every time you hear the Word or every time you read the Word of God, every time you come into the presence of other believers, the Spirit is at work. And one of the things that we need to understand is because you as a believer, the Spirit of God indwells you and lives within you, you become an agent of God wherever you go. Some people don't like to be around you, not because of the words you say, but because of the way you are and who lives within you and the way it makes them feel. In fact, as we begin to start this school year, let me tell you something, students and teachers and every one of you that works with students. The enemy is going to set people up in your life to try to make you fail. You just need to know that. There are going to be students that are going to try to arrange things in your life to see if you act the same way they do so that they can discount the God that you live for. Years ago when my wife was teaching in Long Island, she had... A teacher friend that came to her and said, you know what, our goal this year is to make you curse. I was thinking, how stupid is Satan? Why would you tell her that if that was your goal? But I think, you know what, there there are people that the enemy works because he wants to try to discredit your testimony. Let me tell you something. Greater is he that is in you than he that is within them. And when the temptation comes, 
You grab hold of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and you march on in strength because your testimony will be the agent that the Holy Spirit uses to bring them to Him. Because of who you are and who lives within you. It's the Holy Spirit in you that is saying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And if you don't believe that the Holy Spirit is doing this, then how do you account for the fact that 2,000 years after He left earth, that people are still coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and believing in Him by the hundreds of thousands every day? That is an incredible tribute to the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask our musicians if they would please come and prepare themselves as we get ready for communion this morning.